Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Did you know that a smile is so contagious it can spread to three other people? If Uh-oh. you give somebody a smile. Do we really want to be talking about contagious things spreading to other people again? Well, a smile won't kill you, Lucky. Right. So if you sometimes it feels like it will. If you take a moment <laughs> and they say I'm the grumpy one. If you take a moment, Lucky, to just give someone a nice smile as you're walking by somebody in a parking lot. Not a creepy smile. Don't right. get weird about them. Okay. Don't be dry humping them in there. But if you're walking through the grocery store, you hold a door for somebody, you smile and say hello, it spreads. It makes the world a better place, and it spreads to three other people. Huh. So maybe it is more contagious than the flu. Right. Okay, so you smile to someone, they are in a better mood, they go smile to someone else. Yes. Yes. A smile from a stranger is as good as getting three compliments. Huh. It makes them want to do something nice for somebody else. Smiles also make us want to be nicer to folks we just met. The people we're most likely to pass the positivity on to are friends, family. Strangers are the third. Right. So when you're walking around today, when you cross that moat around your house, Lucky, <laughs> and make your way amongst the cattle, are you uh, overall, um, do, you, do you prefer people to be kind of smiley, open, and friendly, or do you just kind of mutter about your business? Because you go to the grocery store every day. Like every day, right? Yeah. So that cashier there, do you want them to be happy, bubbly, and friendly and talking to you, or are you, like, just face down in the wall and get me out of here? Uh, no, at the grocery store, I am I am pretty friendly with almost everybody that works there. Right. I think I have a relationship. <laughs> There's two managers who I talk to. Now, I will say this. Because I've made this boat myself, I've you know, by going there every day, and the one manager uh, asked me one, originally, he said, hey, are you Craig from The Rock? And we got Gabby, and since then... I know all about his life. He knows all about mine. And then there's another manager who never really, we didn't really talk that much, but now we do. And there are some days, I must admit, I want to just get in there, get my stuff and get out. Right. But I always end up stopping and gabbing with somebody. The cashiers, for sure. It's always a a conversation about how's your day going, what's happening. And then, of course, the ladies at the wine kiosk. I know I know better than my own family. <laughs> How, how's, your, how's your mom doing? Is she, she still got the problem with her foot? Yeah. How's that urinary tract happening? Yeah. Is your husband still frigid in the bedroom? What's what's going on there? Why don't you try to talk to him? Why don't you offer him some of this product you say, sell? Yeah. Try the pinot next yeah. time. But I am one who, when walking through the parking lot of uh, the grocery store, the liquor store, even here, as I'm leaving the building and somebody's walking towards the building, I'll nod and say hello. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm that way. Mm. I think so. Well, are you more of a head down? Mind no, your own I, business? I, I don't find I am. I just find some people are. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, for and sure. I don't know if like like sometimes you go through a cashier and they'll say nothing, mm. and you're like, well, well, they're having a bad day. Yeah. You know, you think, you know, like right away you're expecting mm. some sort of little small talk conversation. You know what's interesting, uh, and it's been really slow to return, but at most grocery stores it's there again, is the uh, the divider for your stuff and the person behind oh, you. right, yeah. And what's the etiquette involved in that? And I've always followed the etiquette that once my stuff is on the, uh, the, the uh, thingy, 
the uh, then I take out the divider, I put it behind me, and the person behind me then says thank you and starts to stack. They, people seem to have a problem with the word thank you. Oh, often. Yeah. You know, and that, if anything, drives me insane. It's the uh, people who have the inability to at least nod and, and acknowledge your existence when you've held a door for them or done something, uh, you know, got out of their way or, you know, when you're driving. When you're in the right-hand lane and you look in your rearview mirror and somebody wants to make a right, so you move up enough to let them get by and they can't even give you a... Uh, a wave. I want to just take my car. Or when and you let someone in. Yeah. Oh, I just want to plow into them, push them into the middle of the intersection, get out of my car with a baseball bat, and beat them to within an inch of their life. Lucky, are you sick as a man of being judged? Uh, Do people judge you? Like I, you I feel like you're being judged? Probably, but I don't know. Yeah, yes, in our line of work, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, judged by things I don't even do, like the songs we play. We open our mouth, uh, yeah. so I guess we're going to be judged. But yes, oh yeah, well you can listen. Yeah, let that be understood. We don't pick the tunes. <laughs> I literally could care less. You can play punk polkas for all I care. I care about what we gab about in between the songs. Whatever's playing while the music's on the air. That I mean, being said, there I'm are in the washroom. There's certain formats that I'm not sure even when if we turn it down, we could handle. Oh yeah, <laughs> the music in between. Country. <laughs> I, I've never worked country. I've worked a bunch of different formats. I've never worked country, and I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. But if the check was big enough, right? Yeah. Um, things that men are sick of when they're being judged for things like having non-manly hobbies, like baking and gardening. Okay. People are judgmental on men when they're just not into football. Being short, don't judge people for things they can't control. Right. Men are uh, also being sick of being judged for having receding hairlines. Gotcha. Um, pampering yourself with things like massages. It seems like women can go for all the spa treatments they want, but if a guy does, it's weird. Mm -hmm. Taking long, relaxing showers. If you take more than 10 minutes, people assume you're doing something else in there. Oh, because you probably are. And I didn't need to listen. That was over in the first minute. <laughs> the rest is me just hanging my head in shame, <laughs> letting that water wash the sin away. <laughs> Ordering a cocktail or a girl drink instead oh, of a beer. Yeah, something coming with an umbrella. Yeah, yeah. And men, I, are, and I, I should point out too, with the rise of the seltzers yeah. and the sodas. Uh, that has come, uh, you know, hopefully some of that stigma is being lost because they're really good. Yeah, I don't, I must admit, um, I don't order them. Like even on the golf course, it's always uh, usually a beer or if they've, I, what I really like is the founders, the, that mix. Yeah, all that bourbon sour is fantastic. I'm, I'm not really into all the sandbaggers and white claws. Oh, I like the sandbaggers. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because I'm not a gin fan. Right. Uh, but what I find interesting now, if you look at that, that bevy cart that comes mm. around, it used to be like all beer oh, and yeah. a couple of Caesars yep. was it. Now it's half and half. Like yeah. One side is beer with a couple of selections, and the other side is you know a whole mm -hmm. row of different Caesars, seltzers, and and 
soda drinks. Although I would still feel a little odd as a dude if, um, you know, I'm hanging out at some local bar and uh, all my buddies are drinking pints and I'm getting sex on the beach. <laughs> Pina colada. <laughs> my time. Yeah, it would seem a little odd. Uh, and dudes who are like in their mid-50s and finally buy themselves a red sports car and we just say, oh, they're in a midlife crisis, or right. I say, tiny penis. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, who, who judges the, a lot there? I'm the judgy one of that because it looks ridiculous. But, um, but some guys who have done it said, look, I always wanted this car. I just couldn't afford it until right. I was in my 50s. Absolutely. Still a small penis. <laughs> if you happen to be driving a, a school bus today uh, or next week or any type of bus and the road feels really bumpy that's because it's all the politicians and people who were involved in the uh, inquiry into the trucker rally being thrown under your bus <laughs> as everybody is throwing everybody under the bus it was your fault it was your fault it was his fault it was her fault with the Ottawa police, it was the Doug Ford, it was Justin Trudeau. They're all going under the bus. If I owned a pop station, uh, like a pop radio station in the Ottawa area, mm -hmm. I'd be playing Shaggy, It Wasn't Me, constantly. <laughs> yeah, now, I, I must admit, I thought it was um, disturbing to read yesterday that it turns out Ford said he was going to be sending a whole bunch of cops to help things uh, and ease the pressure in Ottawa. And I think a number of like 1,500 was bantied around, the amount of police that he was going to send. And it turns out he sent like 150, and he waited a long time even to do that. And look, for the leader of this province, our premier, to not step in when he has the, the all police, all jurisdictions, they're all at his beck and call. He has that ability as the premier. He can call cops from any district he wants, any town, any city. And he's stalled in not helping the people in this province, in our capital city. That's a problem. Yeah, yes, but I think I think there's a couple of things at play here. One, I think a lot of people on on all levels of government completely underestimated the confusion that would be caused mm. by the Freedom Convoy. One, how many would be there? Two, how long they would stay? And three, how loud they would be? Right. And and I think many of us are outside of Ottawa are guilty of assuming that Ottawa is just the government buildings, mm. right? And then, okay, they're going to go to Ottawa and protest on the steps of Parliament. Fine, whatever, let them deal with it. So is it a Parliament problem, a federal issue? Is it a, a provincial problem because it's in Ontario? Or is it a city of Ottawa problem mm. to police it? And how did they uh, solve it? They didn't expect all of the noise complaints. They expected some trucks to arrive and to block things up a little bit around Parliament, which didn't seem like a really big big deal uh, for many who are just living in the GTA. Right. Right. Until all of a sudden we realized, uh, uh-oh, they're not leaving. And, two, they're making a lot of noise and disruption for people in Ottawa. And I think, too, what happened, if you remember, as the story unfolded, there was kind of a... There was two sides to it. Those who were pro-truckers who said 
It stretched from the West Coast to the East Coast. There was going to be hundreds of thousands, and it was a parade of trucks going through. And then they would get mocked because right. it really wasn't that many trucks. The problem is, if you've been around Parliament Hill, it's not that big of an area. No. So when you get even a few trucks in there, it's going to be chaos. So when you get hundreds of them, it's, it's a real problem. Yeah, and you're right. I think many people just tried to belittle the situation yeah. and say, hey, all right, a couple of guys in pickup trucks and RVs, this is not... You know, representative of the country. Right. But the problem is, it was still a problem. Mm -hmm. It was an issue. It was a shutdown. And, and, uh, and it was very, very loud for those who lived and, uh, and operated in that area. You, know, you talked to parents in the area who were, a few of them were, who were out in the street at three and four in the morning in the dead of winter screaming at these guys to yeah. stop it because well, they had children that couldn't sleep. My neighbor's car alarm goes off for more than 10 seconds. Yeah. You know, you're starting to, to get frustrated yep. at that. You imagine the constant honking. Yeah, and, and I also think because it's Ottawa, it's our capital, my assumption and maybe a lot of people's assumption was they've got enough police. They've got enough security. This is our capital. You, 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 you can't get away with much there. Mm. So I think we were under the assumption... They're ready for this. They'll deal. But they obviously were horribly not ready for it. And, and I, listen, I, I tend to agree that pulling the emergency act, it's concerning because once you pull that lever, now any leader can. You know, once you've opened a floodgate, that floodgate opens easily. And maybe it gets pulled again uh, for not such a serious thing. Like it starts to get used. Well, that is uh, obviously the, the, the worry and the reason for the inquiry is, uh, okay, was this an emergency situation? Right. Uh, and I think what they're finding out now, especially with all the mudslinging that's going on, mm -hmm. is that it became an emergency, although it may not necessarily have had to be one right. originally. Right. And uh, so we'll continue to watch and see. But uh, that that really did bother me. And look, honestly, I I, I got to admit, I feel a little bit for Doug Ford. I think that he, if he didn't call the police in when he said he did, that's a lie and that's wrong. And I think he, if this is all true, he did wait too long to do anything. I got to admit, it's got to be tough for him. And it had to be tough during this whole thing when he's up there talking to the people of Ontario, constantly telling them, this is what we need to do. And come on, let's, let's play with the... I don't like this much either, but let's do this. And he's got that daughter of his at home, ranting and raving, the one that was married to the cop, right. going on and on about how it's all fake and it's all a scam and the, the vaccine's going to kill you. And you. Imagine Sunday night dinners at the Ford place for two years. <laughs> you know, you think you have family members, and we all did. We all had family members. Some were pro-vaccine, some were anti-vax. They had to deal. You had to live. But we didn't have to stand in front of the province and tell people how to live their lives for two years. Well, and there's also, when you get into the high-level rankings of politics, too, there's a lot of people in behind the scenes right. who are pushing narratives and pushing messages uh, and are your backers for you know, financial reasons for right. next election campaigns. You know, those signs don't go up for free. No. Uh, and, and so, you know, you still have to really tread a very fine line. And while you may say some things publicly, you know, in the back rooms, you're not doing much about it. We're learning more and more about those sorts of situations now. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting story as it unfolds. And just be aware, bus drivers, it's going to be a bumpy ride for you over the next week or two or three, however long it takes for this thing to play out. You might not know this, but your dog is judging you. <laughs>
and your dog knows in your house who the who the incompetent people are. The people that they should just uh, avoid if they need anything done. Who can't get them things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's probably true. And you're, uh, if you have a female dog, they're more aware and can recognize the ineptitude in human beings. So when we look into these those, those eyes and we think, oh, what are you thinking right now? They're actually thinking, you're an idiot. That's what they're thinking. A uh, new study claims to prove that all dogs can rec- recognize who can get things done and who can't. They ran a series of experiments where humans would try to open containers, and researchers observed how dogs reacted. Some of the containers were empty. Some had food inside. Some humans were told to struggle with the containers, while others were not. They found that dogs tend to focus on the humans who were able to quickly open the container. And information didn't affect the future behavior of boy dogs, but girl dogs were different. Female dogs seemed to judge those who were incompetent. Oh, really? And would ignore those people and actively seek out... Kind of like, kind of like female ladies, like uh, like human ladies. Um, they would uh, ignore those people and actively seek out the competent humans right away, knowing they could open the containers because they want to get to the food. Right. Yeah. Well, and it is very true. Dogs will go and gravitate to the people who give them things. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Coop. Uh, around my parents, like my mom will give them treats all the time. Right. My dad will hardly. You know, acknowledge that he exists, <laughs> and so I like your dad. He follows my mom around sure. constantly, and he will beg Adrian for certain things that he wouldn't beg of me. Now, if um, if Coop, your parents, their, their backyard is all locked in, like no, no it's, it's not. not. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they can't let him out in the backyard and just roam around there. Um, when it comes to Coop, though, and like the dog poop, if he poops at their place, do they right. pick it up or do they wait for you to come uh, around? And pick my it mom, up? I think, will follow her. Be, well, because he goes on the neighbor's lawn all the time. Oh, so. Does he? <laughs> so she's kind of forced to. I, uh, <laughs> one of the reasons why I don't want a dog is because I just can't do it. I remember having dogs and literally dry heaving, even over the littlest little drop. So with Sully around, you don't. I don't pick, pick it up. Anyone? Not a chance. He's not my dog. I, I tell. I tell. I'll tell Ariel. I'll go. Uh, there's a, there's, I'll be more graphic at the house. Yeah. There's poop in the backyard. Right. So you need to do a sully swoop. Oh. Uh, yeah. I tried one day because I had a guy coming over to do some work and I didn't want him stepping in it. And I literally was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh some of it is gross. I remember as a kid, we had a, a, a German shepherd and it would go out in the backyard over the winter and nobody cared because nobody was back there. But in the spring, you had to clean it all up. Yeah. Oh, I could throw up just now thinking about they it. They have companies that do that. Well, I would, yeah, back you, then they didn't know. But now, yeah, you can, you know, especially in the spring thaw, you can hire a company and they'll just come around. Imagine that was your job. Jesus, I'd rather clean up a crime scene <laughs> than scoop up dog poop. Post Malone should just stay off of a, a stage. He uh, fell. Uh, last month, he fell into a trap door on stage and injured his ribs. Oh, did you see the video? He went down hard. He really did. He smacked his ribs good against the side of the stage. Oh. Well, he's done it again. Not to that extent, but he uh, rolled his ankle and then limped up to the mic and said, uh, I'll tell you what, there's these little holes in the middle of the stage where fire comes out of. It's pretty cool, but I just twisted my ankle, uh, so I won't be dancing 100%. Please forgive me for that. I didn't know that Post Malone was known for his dancing. Right. But maybe he is. Just go to the uh, the sand bike. Yeah. Stay there. Yeah. Get some <laughs> Steven Tyler scarves or whatever it takes. Sure. To keep, just keep you in one spot. Wiggle right there. Matthew Perry 
has written a book called Friends, Lovers, and Big Terrible Things, and he um, he gets very candid about his drug use. I didn't realize it was as bad as it was in the time that he was on uh, Friends. He was only sober for like the ninth season, the final season. Really? Yeah. At one point during Friends, he uh, he was taking 55 Vicodin a day and was down to 128 pounds. There's no way the rest like of the cast and crew didn't know that then. They stuck with him. He went into rehab like 15 times. What's amazing is you watch that show, and it's still one of the most popular on Netflix. People watch it over and over again, and new generations uh, have uh, fallen in love with it. And you never would have known. Like, the way he played Chandler. Yeah. Well, I know, but they can they have the you know ability to use whatever take they want at that point. Sure. We've taken a few times, but... Those who were close to him and around him mm. when, when the cameras weren't rolling would have known. Oh, yeah, but you can't stop that yeah. train. But to be down to 128 pounds. I remember there was a couple of seasons or maybe a season where he looked off, you know, compared to the rest of them. But to lose that much weight. Mm -hmm. Well, was, when they did that reunion, was it last year, two years ago? Really like, he, he was really rough. Yeah. Uh, at one point, he almost died when his colon burst due to his opioid abuse. Oh. Uh, he spent two weeks in a coma, five months in the hospital, nine months out with a colostomy bag. The doctors gave him basically a 2% chance to live. He was on a machine that does all your breathing uh, for you, works your heart and lungs. It's called a Hail Mary machine because barely anybody survives it. This was during the show? About four years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in and out of rehab 15 times, he says he finally wrote the book because he wanted to share and he feels he's uh, in a safe place now and the dark side is behind him. He says, I'm a pretty healthy guy right now and he hopes that his story, if anybody else is struggling, will help them. So he, uh, he is uh, probably in a better place even than when they filmed that, uh, that uh, reunion. What is it with, I mean, <laughs> those who, who are... are like drug abusers or, or at least have, have drug issues and problems, being able to remember it all. No, it's true, isn't it? Right? I, like, I always thought of that with Nikki Six and the heroin diaries. Like, yeah. like, all of that crazy stuff going on. You could remember all the details of all of that? I get into the wine, and I can't remember the show I watched last night. Well, didn't Courtney Cox say like, she can't remember any of the filming of Friends? Yeah, but he can remember everything. But he, but he remembers every detail, <laughs> and he's thinking 55 Viking in a day? <laughs> Well, she's what's going on She's here? sitting there eating a Cobb salad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she should have piped, uh, popped a couple of Vicodin along the way. Um, people are really upset with how um, Halloween ends ended. Halloween ends, very polarizing movie. Some people really, really hated it. And those haters are starting a petition calling on the filmmakers to do it again and make a better movie. Sure, good luck with that. Yeah, here's another $40 million. Just go film it again. Is that the point we're at now? Is If you don't like something, you have to speak up and try and change it? Yeah, I think so. It's a movie. Yeah. You don't have to like them all. Yeah. If you didn't like it, I mean, they're not going to sorry, rewrite it to your taste. In the past, you just went home. You just said, ah, that was a waste of two hours. Right. And you got on with your life. Cobra Kai, this thing has legs. Now, there's talk. Ralph Macchio, we mentioned him the other day, but uh, he's in the news again. Um, they're talking now about doing a prequel for Mr. Miyagi. Oh, that'd be interesting. Pabarita? Yeah, there was a lot of backstory. Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. Before the, uh, you know, remember in the 
the pictures of the wife and the, the war and internment camp. And yeah. yeah, where he came from in Japan because they went back and was that Karate Kid three. Uh, he went back to his hometown. Two or three, yeah. They had struggles, for sure. Yeah. I mean, what, is everybody getting a prequel on this thing? Like Ralph Macchio's Daniel's mom? <laughs> well, before she worked in the diner and they moved out of Jersey. <laughs> What's Elizabeth Shue doing these days? There's, that one might make some dollars. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.